you're listening to Faceless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogues. Each week, we decide new decks for tournament play. Then, we put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. What worked, what didn't, and what you look forward in the next week. On today's episode, we start digging deep into the monthly project winner, Involve Calamity. Will we be able to find a suitable home alongside Cave Dan, or will we need help from the Serum Visions gang? Tune in to find out on today's episode of Faceless Brewing. Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Schriever, also known as Cave Dan Online. Joining me on this fine Monday, all the way from Buenos Aires, it's Emmy Sagasti. Emmy, welcome. Hey, yo. Hey, Dan. How is it going? Glad to be here again. again. I say again, and I have been here for the last six episodes. Dan, I need a holiday. <laughs> Release me from this basement, Dan. From this recording basement you have me in. Guys, I'm not in Argentina. I'm in Dan's basement. I'm editing and uploading videos. And I just keep recording. Please save me. You have to get a 5-0 with Invoke Calamity three times before you are released from the prison. Those are the terms, so send good ideas. But I'm really happy to be here, Dan. How has your weekend going? I was good. Yeah. I mean, I was on vacation last week, as we talked about, so I'm just trying to like, get back into it. But it's cool seeing all the deck lists, all the tech. You know, it's been, what, a couple days now that people have been able to play with Streets of Nukapena online? And we're getting that first trickle like results coming in this is always an exciting time yeah i have been mostly test- like my testing so far because i haven't been able to get the cards like on rent has been with the band triumphs i have bought because i just wanted to play band decks band triumphs like plural you you're playing multiple band triumphs in a band deck? i'm playing two band triumphs but the good thing is as i'm checking right now service like mana traders already have the cards so expect a lot of brewing and uploads on youtube with the new cards from during the next week during this week Okay. Yeah, we got to talk about that YouTube, so maybe we should just get to our housekeeping right off the top. We do have some new patrons we want to welcome. They are Isaac T, Jason T, and Elan Morin Tendrani. Elan Morin T, perhaps. We're going to be consistent there. We got the triple T patrons. Just call them Ishmael. Thank you very much to those individuals, and welcome to the Faithless family. As always, if you like what we do here at the podcast... Uh, the best way to support what we do is by joining our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. A pledge at any tier will get you access to our Discord channel, and there are other perks as well. If you go higher up the tiers, we have merch, we've got custom tokens, we have stickers, we got playmats. If you're looking to go to the LGS and represent for the Faithless family in style. Other things you get, you get to vote on cards, and that's actually what we're going to be doing today. I know that's more important than ever, because... Starting today, we're going deep into our monthly project card. So the card the patrons have chosen for us for this beautiful month is Invoke Calamity. Invoke Calamity. Oh, yes. Which is exactly what it has done upon our souls. It has <laughs> Invoke Calamity upon myself. So Invoke Calamity. One and a red and a red and a red and a red for a five mana instant that reads, you may cast up to two instant and or sorcery spells with total mana value six or less from your graveyard and or hand without paying their mana costs. If those spells will be put into your graveyard, exile them instead, exile Invoke Calamity. So we get a 5-mana fi- a spell that allows you to cast up to 6 CMC of instant or sorceries from your graveyard or your hand. And that's when you start thinking what do you want to do with it. What are you aiming for? A good efficient way to get spells back from your graveyard as a 2 for one a way to tempo out spells from your hand as a way to accelerate on mana, or a way to cheat 0 mana suspend spells into play. Yeah, it's an extremely open-ended card. I can see why this was the most popular in the vote. I mean, there's so many directions you can go with it. And as we said before, this is intended to be a communal monthly project. We're actually going to be working on this card over a series of weeks, doing a little bit of iteration. So our goal today is to just sort of get some initial ideas out there. So we're going to talk through, make sure we understand the ins and outs of the card. There's a little timing and rules notes that we should go through. We'll brainstorm bits. What are some good synergies? What are some things we should be thinking about as we're exploring different directions? 
And I believe Emmy actually has some gameplay already up on our new YouTube channel. So we're getting the ball rolling on Invoke Calamity. So before we go into the deck list, into the concepts, into the good cards to play around it, let's just make sure we all know what we're playing with. Yeah, so Emmy has already read the card, but just to break it down piece by piece, make sure that everything is in place. So first of all, up to two instant and or sorceries, right? So Invoke Calamity itself is instant, but you could play it in a sorceries deck, you could play it in an instant deck, or a mix. The spells that you cast can come from your graveyard and or your hand. It's interesting, because if you're thinking of this as a value play, right, it's you spend Invoke Calamity, you get two spells back. Uh, it's a two for one if the spells came from your graveyard, right? You tr turn the one card in your hand into two in your graveyard. However, you don't have to do that, right? You can do a mix. You could just use it to cast spells already in your hand. And then it's actually not card advantage. I had that happen when you need like a tempo play and you just had a three mana sorcerer in your hand you really, really need. And I'm like, okay, so I'm getting a one for one because I am getting a card from my graveyard, but I'm also tempoing this out. And that's pretty common. The fact that it allows you to play from both places at the same time, it's really useful. The total mana value of the spells can be six or less. So three and three, four and two. You could even do six and zero. In modern, that's actually a very important possibility, right? Because of these suspend cards that actually have no mana cost. Those count as zeros. And finally, everything involved will be exiled. More, more importantly, the fact the card will not target at any point because of the fact how it targets in a concealed zone means targeted removal for your graveyard or the fact that if they exile your graveyard, you can play an instant and then cast again that instant is something to take into consideration a lot of the time. Right. Invoke Calamity does not say you may cast two target spells from your graveyard. It just says you may cast up to two spells, and you don't choose them until you're actually resolving the Invoke Calamity. So if your opponent is sitting on like a Soul Guide Lantern or something, and they see you have some juicy spells in the graveyard, when you announce Invoke Calamity, they have to choose right there, do I want to pop my Soul Guide Lantern? If they do, well, you've lost your graveyard, but, you know, maybe you have something in your hand you can cast off the Invoke. It's not a total loss. Yeah, you're, you might be losing resources, but at least you're not losing the tempo, which in some formats might be even more important. Uh, we talked about the numbers, we talked about how everything gets exiled, so there's not going to be any recursion loops with Invoke Calamity. It has that important clause without paying their mana costs. That means a few different things. That means if there are additional costs, say, let's say Unexpected Windfall is one of the cards you're trying to cast off Invoke Calamity, you do have to pay that additional cost. So you will have to discard another card in order to rebuy your Unexpected Windfall or your Lightning Axe or whatever it may be. If you have a spell with additional costs, like a kicker spell, you are allowed to pay the kicker if you, if you can afford it. Um, obviously, you don't have to. Anything with an X, X will be set to zero, so it's not going to be so good with X spells. And uh, finally, most importantly, this without paying their mana cost templating does allow you to cast Crashing Footfalls, Ancestral Visions, Profane Tutors, that kind of thing. Finally... Regarding the ruling, and I think one of the most important ones in formats like Modern, is you will get shut down by Definite and Raveler and effects that don't allow you to play at instant speed, because both spells get cast during the resolution of Invoke Calamity, meaning there will be something on the stack and you are not playing at sorcery speed. Yeah, this this threw me for a loop a little bit. I got myself twisted into knots trying to understand exactly how the timing works, but basically it's the same way Bring to Light works, right? You When you exactly. cast Bring to Light, as part of the resolution of Bring to Light, you have to put the second thing on the stack. And Teferi Time Reveler hates that. There's one thing he hates. Teferi cannot abide someone trying to cast another spell. Something on the stack. Exactly, exactly. It's just not orderly. It's not neat. I had a similar issue like you before I played it on MTGO, but it made its MTGO for once in a lifetime make this card resolution extremely clear. Because first you choose, then you order on the stack, then they, they all the cards enter the stack, and you're happy with it. So it was, like, pretty efficient. So you end up with Invoke Calamity in your graveyard, and then two spells on the stack. Yes, you end up with that, but they all that happens at the same time. So the spells enter the stack, and then Invoke Calamity goes to the graveyard. For example, you cannot tar assume, it could, it, it's assume Invoke Calamity would go to a graveyard instead of get exiled. You would not be able to get it back with a 3-mana spell or something. Oh, yes, right. With like Palagate Recovery. 
Yeah, and I was thinking in terms of like copying, but yeah, okay, the fact that it exiles just makes it all a moot point. The exile clause was extremely well placed there, that's what I'm going to say, because this card could get broken in half really, really, really fast. Oh, of just casting it over and over again. <laughs> I mean, you could loop it so easily, you could just go, step in Calamity, play a spell that gets back in Calamity plus another spell. Oh, yeah, just <laughs> copying itself. Go like, opponent send step, pillage plus mana get recovery, again. Pass the turn. I'm at the exact same position, minus one permanent for you. <laughs> it would just be completely bastard in half. Last note here, speaking of Magic Online, and this one is not as happy of a note. It turns out, and this was discovered by Judge Rob in our Discord, that the way they programmed Invoke Calamity on Magic Online, it actually doesn't work the way you would hope when you are trying to cast a six mana spell and a zero mana spell. So we talked about cards like Crashing Footfalls. Let's say that you are resolving Invoke Calamity and you intend to cast Crashing Footfalls, that's a zero, and another six CMC spell. If you click the six CMC spell first, Magic Online thinks that you're finished. It's like, well, you've already used up all six, so it doesn't even prompt you to cast the second spell. So when you're doing this, if this comes up, just make sure you cast the zero CMC spell first, and that will actually determine in which order things go on the stack, so it's like a little bit annoying if you were hoping to resolve them in the other order, but this is just the way the card is programmed. Uh, Something to be aware of. Yeah, all in all, it's a pretty minor bug, but you have to remember it. It could mess you up if you were trying to cast Profane Tutor as one of your spells and then like go find, I don't know, Rishkar's Expertise was the example that Judge Rob gave, <laughs> which then checks what cards you have in your hand and then you would have liked to resolve the Profane Tutor first, but... I can see that point happening. Well, enough of all that stuff. Uh, let's, let's figure out what actually makes Invoke Calamity good or not good. Wait, before we keep going forward, PSA, if you hear knocking on my door and nails, I don't have a human kidnap in my room. It's my cats trying to get out that made me install a baby lock prof. A baby locking prof. A baby locking... What is the name of it? Baby proof lock. Yeah, I don't know how you call those, but I had to install one so my cats couldn't get into the room. And they're doing their best breaking. Yeah, so you have two kittens. I guess they're cats now. They're, they're growing up so fast. They jump up, grab the handle of the door, and just use their body weight to pull the door open. Exactly, to bring it back. And the thing is, so people were like, okay, just put one of those door stoppers, the small ones that go under the door, right? Like yeah. the angular ones. They went ahead, they practically destroyed it with the nails and just removed it from under the door and proceed to open the door. Because they have learned that stuff against the door <laughs> stops the door. Well, maybe while you have them locked in there, they can test some Invoke Calamity decks. To... <laughs> I've got you locked in the closet, you've got them locked in your testing lab. Everyone locks everybody and we just keep testing Invoke Calamity till we 5-0. So, looking back into this beautiful card, uh, knowing the rules, what we need to start pondering is, what do we want to get from this? And what is worth to get out of this card? The first thing you can start asking is, how do you maximize the ways this is a 2 for 1? Yeah, and there it seems easy enough, right? If I have two good spells in the graveyard and Invoke Calamity lets me cast both of those two spells, that's my 2 for 1. Now doesn't matter what those spells are. Like, let's say one of them was a Serum Visions and one was a Stone Rain. Okay, so was that actually worth five mana? Eh, may maybe. <laughs> At instant speed, it wouldn't be that far away. Yeah, that's true. So it's not just card advantage, it's also timing advantage, right? You can get Source Residence in speed now. It's a mana advantage, maybe, right? You can get up to six mana worth of stuff for just five. I think that's the toughest part to achieve. Unless you go for like 3-3 three, mm. three or 4-2, because it's really hard to have a 6 and a 0 or a 5 and a 1 when you're already playing 5 mana instance in your deck. In order to, you would need like multiple, at least two places of 5 mana spells or multiple 6 mana spells alongside your 3 and 5 mana spells. It would start to get pretty top heavy. Yeah, and 3 and 3 sounds good, but when you really think about it, there are not that many 3 mana spells that we can realistically play, especially not in modern. Even in Pioneer, really, you just don't see a lot of spells that cost three and four. Eventually we're gonna get to my list and you will see I did a bit of cheating in that regard. Like spells that don't cost three but feel like threes or spells that really cost three but don't cost three. Yeah, I'm intrigued by that. Right, because if I had a deck that just naturally wanted a bunch of three mana stuff and I'm not going too far out of my way for it, then just occasionally being able to cast Invoke Calamity for two threes feels awesome. It does feel awesome. But... Then you start getting into the, the what do we need to what do we need to get out of it? And um, 
that's exactly what we have to fix. That's what we have to try and solve. That's our quest. That's our task as brewers. How do we make this car worth it? Because as we always say, to make a good deck out of a car, we have two approaches. Make it worth it, or add it to an already proved deck and just add it as copies 60 to 64. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I'm feeling some strong synergies with Ragavan and Invoke Calamity. I don't know about you, but the treasures from Ragavan can help me cast Invoke Calamity. <laughs> so what do you think about a deck that goes turn 1 Bre- Ragavan, turn 2 Brennan 6, turn 3 Teferi, turn 4 Omnath, and then you just win before you cast Invoke Calamity? Yeah. No, I, I like the way you're thinking. <laughs> That's the f- that's the second step. That's when you cannot find a way to make a card worth it. That's what you do with it. Exactly. You make it a pet card and you add it to an already tested deck. So that's not what we're aiming for. So we have to make this card be worth it. Yeah, and I think the flip side of that equation is like how far out of my out of my way did I go to like build an evoke calamity deck? Am I playing a bunch of cards that are like not actually staples? like three and four and five mana spells, like spells that really are only there to function with Invoke Calamity. Is it a synergy piece or is it just a value piece on top of like normal spells? Like, you know, Seer Visions is the example I gave, but actually Expressive Iteration might be a better example. That's an actually good card. If my deck is just full of cheap stuff like that and occasionally I want to cast two of them from the graveyard at once. I think stuff that we need to consider before we start like discussing the actual CMC we have to get is... Something that's at, at least at least at first a bit tough to understand is that a card is not worth its mana, it's worth what it's doing. Mm. Casting a crushing footfall is not worth zero mana. It's worth three, four mana. I think so, yeah. Give or take. Casting an instant speed wrath effect, it's not worth four mana, it's five or six. An instant speed supreme verdict isn't worth four mana, ever. So that's the sort of stuff that this card makes you start to reconsider, because it cheats on stuff in so many different ways. As you said, it's card advantage, mana advantage, and timing advantage, if you can use it in all those ways. And all of a sudden, maybe casting two sorceries that would have been... Maybe casting two two mana sorceries from your graveyard, like uh, two Red Wars to kill a Tarmogoy and a Liliana of the Veil on your opponent's sense step. It's only four mana. But the capability of doing that while holding up a counter spell or another piece of interaction might actually be worth more than five mana. So you've said this before, but you feel like instant speed is worth a mana more than sorcery speed, give or take, for the same effect. Yeah, it really depends on what you're putting it on. But I think the biggest test of that is that we don't have like we don't have preordain in modern, but we have a two mana instant preordain that's unplayable, and we have omen of the seas that's portal unplayable. So that extra mana in flash plus a piece of material is worth it. So it's close to half a mana, one mana, special, but once you're doing it with two sorceries, the math gets all fumbly. So related question, noticing that Invoke Calamity is itself an instant, and instants just tend to be better and more playable than sorceries, like what if I just built a totally instant speed deck and use Invoke Calamity as like a big big card advantage spell effectively do you feel like that's a reasonable use for it like if i just had a bunch of archmage's charms and prismari commands fire ice counter spells and every once in a while i draw invoke calamity and just get two spells off of it so the one thing i noticed while testing the card is you need a lot of your spells to be proactive because you're cashing five mana for it you cannot just if your graveyard is like two counter spells and a fire and ice it's not going to be enough to play 5 mana counter to a card because you are playing a bad cryptic command. Well, but if it's a counter spell and an Archmage's Charm, then... Exactly. But that Archmage's Charm is exactly as like I said. Archmage's Charm is a proactive card. Because it, it has a proactive mode. It has the draw 2. Prismari Command, Colance Command are proactive cards, even if they have a reactive mode as the most used one. So you need a combination of spells that will be proactive enough that you can actually use this as a threat rather than an extra copy of rather than a Snapcast Remage. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. You need to make this better than Snapcast Remage, which means if you're copying Archmage Charm, you need whatever else you're doing be better than a 2-1. <laughs> it sounds so simple when you put it that way, but probably harder in practice to get <laughs> Snapcast Remage is good. I know, I know. Snapcaster, so we're, we have to upgrade Snapcast Remage at the expense of paying for quadruple red. So you need to start turning the oddball. And then you have to look at the best modes of Invoke Calamity, which are the fact that it's two spells over one, the fact and the fact you might just get ahead on mana. Which are, because those are the two most common uses, I think. 
Other questions that came to mind, how many instants and sorceries do I need to have on the deck in order to play Invoke Calamity? I actually think there's a lot of flexibility here. I have, haven't arrived at any firm numbers, but... To get two spells in your graveyard, assuming assuming you're considering only the spells that are good with Invoke Calamity, I think like just having over 15 should be more than enough. Yeah, because Invoke happens pretty late in the game, right? So Exactly. We're talking about a 5-mana instant that... Assuming you're going to cast 5 cards, you're going to look at 11 cards already, and you only need 2 instant sorceries in graveyard or in hand for it to be worth it. Okay, next question. Are there existing strategies that already use a lot of eligible spells that we might want to, to rebuy? I mean, the first answer is, I think, meal, because you just want to cast as many Tasha's Hideous Laughter as you can. Just picture going Tasha's Hideous Laughter into Tasha's Hideous Laughter into Calamity for double Tasha's Hideous Laughter. Is 80 CMC? <laughs> Doesn't it have 80 CMC? I don't think 4-Color Omnath has 80 CMC. I've seen people trying this in Standard. The decks look absolutely horrible, and that's what gives me a little bit of pause. But they only have Tasha's, right? They don't have Fraying Sanity. You know, you could also play Archive Trap if you wanted to. I could imagine a plausible-looking mill deck in Modern that just used the spells that Mill is already playing and added some Invoke Calamities. How would you go from... Blue, blue, blue to red, 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 red one. Well, you need a lot of copies of Cascade Bluffs. That's all I got. You just need a lot of a perfect filter land fixing. Also, the CMC of Four Color Blink is 96, so you need a fifth Tasha Serious Laughter. The total CMC of the Four Color Blink deck is 96? Yeah. Okay, all right. So four Tasha Serious Laughter should get you there, or extremely close to that. So no other archetype immediately came to mind. I guess maybe some version of Storm could have the requirements to like want and invoke calamity in it I, I noticed that brian cook had uploaded some league of you know he threw a couple invoke calamities into what was otherwise a blue red pyromancer ascension deck but it didn't really feel like it was that important of a contributor to the strategy it didn't actually help i watched the video when it was released it was just like a tempo play in most scenarios so like a two for one delayed game but a lot of the time you just felt like why are why aren't you playing you know what i'm saying for mana Sorcery, raid, passing for five. Exactly. Why aren't you playing Past in Flames? It just felt like that most of the time in a deck that just produced so much mana. And that, I think, is the key to what we're looking for. We're looking for a deck that wants to play extensive spells, ideally sorceries, as they are doing. So a six-mana sorcery is going to do more stuff than a six-mana instant most of the time. I agree. So we're looking at decks that most notably want to be based at sorcery speed or with sorcery spells, as we want to get the maximum value out of Calamity, that don't produce a lot of mana, because why are we playing Calamity then, when we can just play the spells, and that have a mixture of reactive and proactive spells enough, where the threat of Calamity is good enough to force your opponent into acting. That's like the combination of factors that I know this was necessary for it. Okay, so with those criteria in mind... Let's think about some specific cards we might want to like try to make work with Invoke Calamity. Uh, I did a little bit of a search. I was like, okay, if I have the ability to play up to five or six CMC sorceries and instants, what are some big effects that might be good enough? And I've got about 30, 35 cards here. <laughs> There's too many to list, but I'm just curious. I mean, why, why don't you point me towards the good ones? So, I'm gonna laugh first at the fact that Invoke Calamity can cast Invoke Despair, because it's the other card of the cycle. I think that might actually be good. I mean, obviously, the mana requirements are hideous, but... You need to play, like, Rakdos or Rakdos. If I just want pure value out of an expensive sorcery, Invoke Despair is like a 5-mana Cruel Ultimatum, right? Yeah, it is. So, that's like the first one, which I think it's interesting, alongside... Like, if you can go Invoke Despair plus a 1-mana Removal, or a Thoughtseize, or like a Profane Tutor... It's amazing. And I think that my biggest problem with that is I think the only good black card to cast is that one. Maybe that's enough. I mean, the, the Profane Tutor line is extremely interesting. So The Profane Tutor line is when it gets amazing. But the problem is you don't have like the shell of the 2 to 4 sorcery effects that you want in case you don't have Despair or Profane Tutor. Or something to add alongside the Profane Tutor, right? Don't you? I mean, you, you already mentioned that we can play discard spells. We can play these cards, we can play Damnation. If we could find... We could play small books, but that's just insanity. I mean, it could, they could also be... They could be red cards, they don't have to be black. Yeah, we can just stick to a rare, you're right. We have, And now we have the good ones. Okay, okay, that's an interesting shell to move forward. Follow that, we have 
what what I think would be a really fun build around with this card, but I think it's like the this is the equivalent of the Mithras bubble in your Ledger Shredder deck, which is Hazard's Undying Fury. <laughs> Hazard's Undying Fury for people that don't know this card who are the same as me four minutes ago. Six mana sorcery. Shuffle your library, then exile the top four cards. You may cast any number of non-land cards with CMC five or less from among them without paying their mana cost. Lands you control. Don't untap during their next untap step. So you're just trying to live the dream here. Cast a Hazard Undying Fury plus a Profane Tutor. Try to hit another Invoke Calamity. Play back something else and just start going off with a like unrelenting stack of spells that you hope for the best. Am I right on that? I mean, you are. This this interaction was actually suggested to us by Judge Rob, who, as his name might suggest, is a high-level judge, and he's been helping me understand the timing interactions, because I didn't believe this at first, but it turns out that if Hazret's Undying Fury finds an Invoke Calamity in the top four cards of your deck, Invoke Calamity, because it doesn't target, can immediately recast Hazret's Undying Fury. So then you will actually be getting the top eight cards of your deck, and it's it's potentially very explosive. Now, obviously, you won't untap next turn, so you, you better win from that. But that would be so sweet. You won't untap next turn five times. Exactly, exactly. Your lands will become extra tap. I mean, Hazrat's Undying Fury is such a sweet card. I think this is like the Shigiwigi version of the card. This is not the more draft of Invoke Calamity. You have the, I don't want to win, I just want to do good midrange big stuff. You have me, and then you have the... I, wa- I just want to flip a Ryo kind of player, and then you have she, and, th- and that's where you have this card. Just going off in an eternal turn of value. I think this is another build around, interesting build around, just not my build around. Alright, what else we got? Next, we have something which would be amazingly fun, which is the fact you can go end step upheaval. End step upheaval? I mean, I'm intrigued, but is that actually good? So upheaval, four blue-blue, sorcery, return all permanence, all permanence, lands, creatures, planeswalkers, everything, back to their owner's hands. This came into modern in MH2, I believe. Yeah, never found a house. Do, how do we make it work? Like, is the upheaval has to be powerful? The question is, how do you exploit it? I'm not convinced that it is powerful. Like, the way that you break upheaval is by having a lot of artifact mana or extra land drops, and you do it on your main phase because you want to replay a land and then immediately redeploy all your stuff. Just, I mean, there's also the fact that your opponent is discarding everything first. Oh, yeah. And then if you find a way... I don't know, but that's at least an interesting pondering situation. Instant, instant speed upheaval is insane. The question is, is it good enough in modern? That's always the question in modern. And after that, we have Valley of Research. Six mana, triple green, triple blue, sorcery. Make an XX fractal where X is the number of cards in your library. So with Valley of Research, your Invoke Calamity becomes a five mana instant. Make a 40-40-ish? Approximately? Give or take? Body of Research is such a cool card. It's hilarious. I mean, that, that age-old question of, like, can they make a vanilla creature, right, creature with... No abilities, just enormous power, enormous toughness. What stats would you have to give it in order for it to be playable? Right, like Gigantosaur, 10, 10 for 5. Infinity Elemental, Infinity 5 for 7 or whatever. <laughs> Body of Research is somewhere between those two cards. Body of Research and Gigantosaurus had the exact same problem, which is one keyboard away from making them playable. What keyboard is that? Trample. Uh, I was hoping you were going to say Flash, because if it's Flash, Invoke Calamity can help you with that. <laughs> I mean, that's in the bigger formats. Maybe in something like Standard it's good enough. Or if you're playing a really controlling shell, where you can take a hold of the board, having this as your end step win con. Yeah, I mean, this is a thing in Standard right now. I don't know if this is a good deck or not, but this is how people are attempting to use Invoke Calamity in Standard. And I'll just mention here sort of how this standard deck is put together. It's teamer in colors. It's actually primarily is it, but between some green pathways and some treasures, you have the option to occasionally cast body of research for its normal cost. But mainly you're in is it. You have four body of research, four invoke calamity, and then the way that becomes a combo is Kazool's Fury, which is one of these double-faced lands, right? It's either a red tap land or it's a fling for two and a red. So all you have to do is survive until, on their end step, you can invoke a Calamity, cast Body of Research, either from your hand or your graveyard, untap Kazoo's Fury for the win. 
And it sounds crazy, but actually this deck has a lot of looting effects. Prismari Command, Cathartic Pyre is here. Unexpected Windfall. Exactly, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. So if you draw a body of research, you actually don't have to leave it in your hand. You can just loot it away at some point. And because Invoke Calamity can cast from the graveyard, you'll, your combo pieces are already there. Something I really like from this deck is the fact that it sort of accomplishes what we were discussing before. It has a pretty good mixture of proactive spells allowing you to, let's say you don't find your body of research, you can invoke Calamity for a Prismari Command plus an expressive iteration in your opponent's sense step, or double removal, or unexpected windfall plus Huawei Disruption. It gives you that combination of on my opponent's sense step or in response to a spell, I can actually accomplish something pretty powerful, even when I don't have my combo piece. Yeah, I haven't seen this deck in action myself, but I imagine that yeah, casting Invoke Calamity just at any point in the game is going to be a pretty valuable turn. Like, even getting an, another Windfall from your graveyard? Yeah, Windfall plus a Braid is probably pretty good. Yeah, so you start sort of really targeting your opponent's stuff. I actually really like this. So I showed this concept to David, our Pioneer Brewmaster, and he said he felt like this was not that far off something you could do in Pioneer. So he sketched up a quick little port, and we'll have both of these deck lists in our in our show outline here. But in Pioneer, right, you get access to slightly different stuff, right? You could play the card Crackling Drake if you wanted to. That's a card that I've used with Kazool Fury to good effect in the past. You could play Treasure Cruise if you wanted to. David is suggesting maybe going down on copies of Body of Research so that you can play a little more one-minute interaction, Fire Impulse, Consider, that kind of thing. How, how does expansion work? I was That's what I was pondering for the past few seconds. So let's say Boca Lamidi, an unexpected windfall, and an expansion. Okay, so Expansion Explosion is a split card. The two mana half copies a spell on the stack of CMC four or less. And the second half, which is a four mana half, is an X spell. So that card actually does not work at all with Invoke Calamity. We're just interested in the copy effect. And it's different from Galvanic Iteration. Galvanic Iteration, which is the more played copy effect now, waits for itself to resolve and then it checks for your next thing that you put on the stack. However, Expansion will just copy anything that's currently on the stack. So Expansion does work in the way you want it to with Invoke Calamity. So I could get four treasures, draw three for five, draw four, loot one for five mana. Exactly, right? You could you could use your invoke to put unexpected windfall and expansion onto the stack, have expansion target the windfall. Okay, you're tempting me out of a sudden. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's not really a widely played card. I don't, I don't really believe it's playable, but it is like a cool combo angle. Okay, I'm digging this. I'm just stealing ideas for modern. Okay, alright. See, these standard concepts get gradually upgraded. First you port it to Explorer, then you port it to Historic, Pioneer, and now, next thing you know, Body of Research in Modern. I don't know if I'm stealing the Body of Research part, but I might steal the Expansion part. <laughs> like, I'm just digging that stuff, like, just grabbing what I'm interested in, like, give me this. I mean, I think Body of Research is such a unique effect that it's, it's definitely worth exploring. It's the biggest vanilla body in MTG, by a mile. All right, back to our list of speculative instants and sorceries. Anything else here jump out at you, Emmy? I mean, that interests me enough. We have a lot of breath effects, which, as I said, it's something really relevant. Mm -hmm. Then we have Thought Distortion, but my problem is I don't think I ever want to cast Thought Distortion without the uncounterable part of it. It's still uncounterable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But unless... I, I'm really trying to grasp at the situation. I'm like going in step in Bocalamity, try and play my Thought Distortion instead of playing my Thought Distortion first to remove a counter spell, mm. and then playing my Calamity. I see. Yeah, okay. Like, it's a really weird play pattern. Then we have Sublime Epiphany, which I really, really like. Problem is, what do you play? I just love the card, but I don't think you can make it work. Yeah, all of these six mana spells are interesting because at six mana, that's using up all of your available CMC. So the only way to make this a two for one is to pair the six drop with a free spell. And that's kind of the unspoken subtext of all of these. Imagining you're in modern, you could have such a powerful turn if you did like a Crashing Footfalls or a Profane Tutor or uh, Ancestral Vision plus a Sublime Epiphany. That's why I like the five drops a lot more than the six drop because as crazy as it sounds... If you just staple a Serum Visions to anything, mm. it's a lot better. <laughs> if you just go a one and send step, explore the wilds plus bold, explore the wilds for anyone that doesn't remember, five mana spell, 
a green and a red and three. Exile the top five cards of your from your deck. You may play it. You may play them until your next step, your other next step. Yeah, escape to the wilds. Escape to the wilds. Oh, what I was saying. I think you said explore the wilds. Oh, yeah, escape to the wilds. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, and then you may play an additional land drop. Yeah, I mean that's an intriguing one. These five drops are pretty intriguing. You could imagine just stapling a lightning bolt to this as well if you didn't want to go into three colors. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it becomes a lot better. Because you're actually... Like, the biggest problem with tapping down for a 5-mana sorcery is the fact your opponent is also doing stuff. If you can deal with your opponent's stuff, like play a lightning bolt from the graveyard and develop your 5-mana sorcery, what you're doing all of a sudden is pretty impressive. Hmm. Okay. So that happens a lot as well with time warp. If I can opponent sense the time warp, get an extra turn against control, that's devastating. But against an aggro deck, if I could protect myself while doing so, or get a discard spell on my opponent's deck, that would be insane. Yeah, Time Warp really stands out as one of the, the absolute best 5 mana spells. I'm instant speed Time Warp before it's worth 7 mana. True. Okay. I, I buy that. Yeah, so other good 5s. I mean, Lorehold Command is almost good enough in Pioneer. We've seen Hour of Promise be decent. I think Primal Command is interesting. Our promise, I feel, needs better lands. If we were talking in the Field of the Dead era, I would be all over it. But as you can see from a power level perspective, also as what we were chatting, most of the powerful cards are sorceries. Because of exactly what we were saying. A 5-mana sorcery tends to be a lot more powerful in what it does than a 5-mana instant. Because spending 5-mana sorcery speed is really, really devastating for, for most decks. Well, on the other hand, a 5-mana instant can be casted really easily by anything that's reactive. Yeah. Well, speaking of Time Warp, there's actually one other deck that does currently play Invoke Calamity that's actually seeing a little bit of success right now, and this is a Pioneer deck using our old friend Velamachus Loreholds with Time Warp effects. Sack would be all over this. We miss you, Sack. So, I mean, what's going on here? What is this deck? So this beautiful deck came from the beautiful man of Shear Donkin. Ryan Donkin, a good friend of mine. So he just went, guys, I have a great idea, posted a 4-1, really excited about it. And the idea of the deck is play a 6-drop with Delve, be it Hooting Mandrills or Tassigur. Your whole deck is 90% cantrips, and then you neoform one of your 6-drops into Bellomachus. And because you neoform, you didn't cast Bellomachus, it enters with a plus 1 plus 1 counter, which means it has 6 power, which means when it attacks... It is able to cast six mana sorceries or instants. And you might be thinking, what difference does that make, right? You've seen the modern version of Velamachus recasting time warps and save the moments. It doesn't matter how much power Velamachus has. Well, in Pioneer, the time warp effects all cost six. We're talking about Part the Water Veil, Karn's Temporal Sundering. Luckily, Velamachus is a legend. Exactly. And that's when it becomes really necessary for Pioneer. This is a Velomachus deck that can't actually either cast Velomachus or wants to cast Velomachus because it's just a golden dragon <laughs> for a lot of extra mana. So all we're trying to do is get the six mana delve creature down, cast Neoform, get Velomachus, hit some time warps. You have eight actual time warps between four Karns Temporal Sundering, four Part the Water Veil. What does Invoke Calamity do for the deck? So Invoke Calamity allows you this deck always has the chance of fizzling. And Invoke Calamity allows you to go, okay, I hit with my Venomacus, and as long as I get an extra turn spell or during all my self-milling, because it plays Consider, Arlen Worldly Gaze, and Contentiency Plan, Anti-Gun Scheming, that's 15 cards that mill myself. If any of those ever hit an extra turn spell, Invoke Calamity becomes an extra turn spell. And because you only have 8, you could only play 8 copies of extra spelling Pioneers. This allows you to have 3 more to really reduce the chance of you fizzling. Yeah, it also lets you cast from hand. So if you were trying to set up your Velomachus and you happen to draw some of your time warps, they're not stuck in your hand anymore, right? Velomachus attacks, reveals, invoke Calamity, and now you can just cast the part of the Water Veil from your hand. Exactly. Yeah, so it's actually really neat how that works out. It, invoke Calamity has just enough mana value to like let you do all of this. It is a bit of a like a win more card, right? This is all helping you after Velomachus comes down does nothing to get you to that point. But reducing your fizzle rate might be worth it, and we have seen a few different people 5-0 with this. I know that Jason Kilgore Trout in our Discord has been jamming this deck to great success, and he's very high on Invoke Calamity in this build. I mean, the fact I have seen this sort of deck fizzle with only 8 spells, like you have a decent charge, like the chance of percent 
which is an extremely relevant number. So my question for you, Emmy, do you think that Invoke Calamity is worth exploring in like a modern Villamarcus deck? I don't think so, because we got better extra turn spells. I think there's better stuff you can do in modern. I think I would rather play an extra attack phase before I play an extra turn. But doesn't Invoke like make it more likely that you can just, without ever casting Villamarcus, you can just savor and time warp your way to a Ren and Six ultimate? Yeah, there's some sort of fact you can just double savor the moment. Double savor the moments. There you go. Okay, yeah, you might be right. There might be something to it. Yeah, you're right. And also the fact it's a 5-drop, you could hit it with the traditional Velomachus without a counter. Okay, yeah, I could be swayed into it. I was thinking I might actually change Indomitable Creativity into Transmogrify, because Creativity being an X-Bell just doesn't work at all with Invoke Calamity, but Transmogrify, you could recast that. It allows you to instant speed after after they stop you. Okay, okay, you, you bought me into this. Okay, all right. It's a, it's an interesting take. I think I would go for the ESET version. Hmm. Okay. Okay, I, I could be swayed. I like what I'm hearing. All right, so that's using time warp effects in Pioneer, possibly also in Modern. What else can we do with Invoke Calamity? So, I'm going to jump ahead into Modern mm-hmm. to talk about my first brew with it. Like, yes. the first concept. If you remember the first episode we discussed this card, me and Brian both had an epiphany moment where we were like, Collected Conjuring. <laughs> and why is Collected Conjuring the piece of the puzzle we are go- worth going for? Because it accomplishes both giving you a lot of 3-drops, wants you to play a lot of 3-drops, and also has the same, and accomplishes two of the three of the three things Invocalamity does. It gives you card advantage and it gives you tempo advantage. In that both are trying to get 6 mana spells for free to play and both exploit suspend spells. So both cards try to do something really similar. So it makes sense to try and play them together. And it's also the fact that there's one card that actually makes the pair even better, which is Seeded Ruth. Seeded Ruth, a really ignored card from, I think, Ikoria, is a 2-man anticipate unless you play it from anywhere that isn't your hand. And it's not actually to anticipate. It's a sorcery speed anticipate, which is actually important for Collected Conjuring. Yeah. So let's read Collected Conjuring before we forget. It's a... Two are red and a blue for a four mana sorcery, which reads: Look at the top six cards from your deck. You might play up to two, two sorceries with CMC three or less. So this is collected company at sorcery speed for sorceries instead of creatures. <laughs> and you read that, and it's not good enough because a three mana creature tends to be better than a three mana sorcery, of course. At least for what you're looking for in most scenarios. Yeah, we've played enough collected company decks to know that. You know, you really should be looking for three drops, or two drops that combo kill, but... So, okay, can I build a deck with a bunch of three-mana sorceries? This is where we ca- where I was t- telling Dan. A three-mana spell is not something that costs three mana, it's something that do- does at least three mana worth of stuff. Hmm. And there we have cards like Seated Truth, which sort of change that. Seated Truth, as we were saying, a sorcery anticipate for two mana, unless you play it from anywhere that isn't your hand which includes your graveyard for, for Calamity and your deck for, for Collected Conjuring. And there you have a 2 mana, and it becomes a 2 mana draw 3 cards. If Sea Truth becomes cast from anywhere that isn't your hand, it becomes Ancestral Visions. So, speaking of Ancestral Visions, I see you are not playing that card. Are you saying that Sea the Truth is just better than Ancestral Visions? I think it's better, and so with this deck I have uploaded the first games into the YouTube channel. I'm going to upload 3 more games, maybe a leak during this, the beginning of this week. Because I'm going to keep playing this deck, I have to keep it tuned, I have to keep tuning it. The mana base was the biggest problem this time. Invoke Calamity being red, 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 red Mm. is super annoying. (laughs) I tried to play two islands and a breeding pool, and I regretted that super hard. Two islands? Oh, Emmy, that's so responsible, and yet so wrong. (laughs) So wrong, I know, I know, I paid for that mistake. So the deck features four crushing footfalls, which is a zero mana sorcery. But two four four rhinos are worth what? Three mana, four mana? Like we know going three mana instant speed two four fours is worth it because Crushcade is a real deck. That's really playing a deck that accomplishes that. Mm. So three mana two four fours is more than worth it. Then we have a removal of choice on the one mana spot, which is Flame Sash, which is really, really up to contemplation. But I was as I was doing the first draft, it felt like the perfect idea. 
what one random mana for damage, perfect. Sorcery speed. I guess you now have the option to play Strangle instead. So you do want a sorcery. It has to be a sorcery. That's very important for collected conjuring. But Strangle does three damage, but it has planeswalkers. It, yeah, I had a severe problem with planeswalkers. Not gonna lie. Followed by Serum Visions or Sorcery Country of Choice. As we were saying with Calamity, stapling a Serum Visions to anything makes it almost cool enough. Collected Conjuring, just play Serum Visions as well. See the truth or two mana false two mana spell because it's a two mana sorcery when you need to cast it on curve to look for a land drop. And it's a almost a four mana spell once you cast it with Collected Conjuring or Invoke Calamity. Drawing three cards is really, really useful. And then we have a bit of everything at the three drop slot. <laughs> First of all, three Anger of the Gods. Three Anger of the Gods were insanely good at just clearing the board of my opponents. Anger of the Gods is just a good card, especially when you can play it at instant speed with Invoke Calamity. You have no idea how many games I won by just going Attack Step Anger of the Gods plus Flame Sash. So did you find yourself often like getting to the middle and late game where it's turn four, five, six? Like, are you a control deck here and you're looking to cast Angers multiple times throughout the game? Yeah. So I was. this is becomes a control deck that plays a long game rarely runs out of resources and I found myself playing cards with my Calamity from Khan really often. Hmm. There's a chance this deck only wants three more Calamity because you want to play really few lands and I lost two games with like three Calamities in hand and castable but it might have been just unluckiness because I want like three Calamities from the top and stack on four lands. So let's see, you're on 21 lands plus two Balagad Recovery. Yeah, Balagad Recovery, amazing three mana sorcery, just gets back a card from your graveyard. A situation I faced a lot of the time was I had a Balagad Recovery in my graveyard and like an Anger of Rigor, and I wanted to cast that Anger multiple times, so I just went like Invoke Calamity, Flame Sash plus Balagad Recovery, Anger to my hand. And because I had another Calamity in my hand, I was able to go like Sorcery Speed, cast Anger of Rigor, and next turn, Invoke Calamity, Anger of Rigor. Okay, so the fact that Invoke Calamity exiles means you have to make sure that when you use Anger, you're really ready to let it go. Exactly. So I was able to go Calamity with something like Pillage plus Palagat Recovery that Anger, so I could recast it from hand, and I could finally exit it with the second Invoke Calamity. Okay, so you have four Pillage, all-purpose spell. You have four Search for Tomorrow. This is a really interesting piece of tech here. So Search for Tomorrow was extremely useful in the fact that I'm running really few lands for a spell that wants to cast four drops and five drops. But alongside eight cantrips and four ramp spells, it felt like enough most of the time. Like Search for Tomorrow is a three mana sorcery that's actually that's actually a one a one mana play. So you have twelve one mana proactive plays which are Serum Visions, Crushing Footfalls, and Search for Tomorrow, and you have four reactive ones in the form of four, of four Flame Sash. So that all makes sense. The card that surprises me, well, <laughs> invade, <laughs> invade the city. I stole that, I stole that card from Saffron Olive. This card is terrible. I'm just going to throw that out there. But I've thought about this many times when I was trying to like convince myself to play Collected Conjuring. Invade the city allows you to turn all of your sorceries into actual board presence. That's the theory anyway. So a really fun thing that happens. When you really invoke the Invade City, you think of three mana, make an 8-8 or a 9-9, right? <laughs> Fun thing, that happens the first time. So when you go Invade the City, and then you have a 6-6, and you just play something on turn 4, and on turn 5 you go on your opponent's end step, Anger of the Gods plus Invade the City. Sorry, Anger of the Gods plus Anger of the Gods, you just clear your opponent's board. And on your turn you cast Invade the City. You don't have two 9-9s. You have an 18-18. That's worse, right? I mean, that, that's got to be worse. Unless you're closing the game. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. It's, it's, it's worse in most scenarios, but it's also the fact that if you make a big token, you can give it plus 10, plus 10 with a second copy or with an Invoke Calamity. All right, I guess we should read the card. If it's, if it's actually doing something for the deck, we'll read the card. It's one blue-red sorcery, a mass X, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. And you all know what a mass does, so we'll just move on to the next topic. <laughs> now, a mass, put X plus one plus one counters on an army you control. If you don't control an army, you get to create a zero zero black zombie army creature token first. Oh boy. I can't believe I got done to read that card. That's it. We're not playing more in Invader City, everybody. We oh got done to suffer with it. A mass X. <laughs> Invader City gave, gave us a way to actually 
make a big body to close the game. I don't know if it's good enough, I don't think it is. This deck has problems doing something that's not removing stuff and drawing cards. Yeah. And Crashing Footfalls was amazing for that side, but look, I wanna say what I shouldn't say. This deck either needs to cut green or needs to add more colors. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen. Tune in on Monday or Tuesday to find out. <laughs> Maybe I'm gonna add black to this and suffer in silence when I can't cast a single spell in my deck. I mean, the card that I really want to play to f- is Fires of Invention to fix all the mana problems. That would let you play the red and the black invokes, but the problem is that invoke casts three spells in a turn, and Fires doesn't like that. Fires says, play only on your turn, play only two spells a turn. Connected Conjuring also casts two spells. Oh boy. Okay, so yeah, it's just not going to happen. Right? Yeah, I believe it casts them, yes. I think it exiles them and then it casts them. Yeah. Okay. So, better play more Triumphs. <laughs> I think Black Sorceries might be the most powerful sorceries to add to this sort of deck. Like, stuff like Thoughtseize, stuff like Necromancia, stuff like more Like, I couldn't beat Combo for the life of me if I faced it with this deck. But if you just go ahead and add, like, four Thoughtseize for more Ego to your sideboard, when you have four copies of Evoca Damity and four copies of... Collected Conjuring? So, on the subject of Collected Conjuring, one concept that you and Brian and Arun briefly entertained was like what about the land destruction package now you played four copies of pillage but you're not really leaning hard into land destruction do you think that there is something there arun mentioned his love for the card eye of nowhere blue blue bounce a permanent at sorcery speed bounce a land perfect i think eye of eye of nowhere is nowhere playable (laughs) it's the eye of nowhere playable i i used to play eye of nowhere and hoodwink together in the same deck so <laughs> thank god no. you're lucky that hoodwink is not modern legal or, or else we would definitely be doing this i had richard and cut purse richard and pirates in there as well deck was great <laughs> parallax tide okay but like seriously what would you play in this deck you would play pillage you might play stone rain maybe molten rain maybe cleansing wildfires and, and some of indestructible lands that could happen as well I think Collected Conjuring, I'm not going to say it's an amazing card, but I think it's an underexplored card. Mm. That's the name I'm going to give it. In the fact that it can do some really powerful stuff. And in the video, you will see games where I just go, or my opponent's sense step, invoke Calamity for Collected Conjuring plus Rhinos, get another Rhinos plus a draw three, and go from an almost empty board to have four four fours and three cards in my hand. So... Given that you used your available flex slots on cards like Crashing Footfalls and Card Draw instead of Land Destruction Spells, are, are you saying that you think it's just more important to win the game? I think most ramp you can play in this deck. Like, if, to play Land Destruction in Modern, you need one mana ramp so you can go turn to Land Destruction. I think that's a f- hmm. almost known fact. Unless you're playing Boom Bust. Yeah. Which I don't think you can hit from Collected Country, but I'm not sure. I'm going to need a charge for that one. Yeah, you can't because it's CMC 8. It's the new ruling. Then you're you're not getting like the only way you can play a Boros Land Destruction deck is Bombast plus stuff like that. And this is the same scenario. And the only I mean I'm only play you only need like for collected company to be hitting really consistently, you need between you need around thirty, thirty two hits. Between twenty seven and thirty two was the collected company number. And this deck has thirty one. Right. Which means, mathematically, you could add for one mana ramp spells, but you're starting to play with the numbers there. Yeah, it's tough, because Conjuring does not count as a Conjuring hit, obviously. Invoke Calamity also doesn't count. And, you know, there's other cards you would love to play. Like, I'd love to play Magnivore, but it's just not going to fit. It's just not going to (laughs) fit. Collected Conjuring has a Collected Company problem, right? If you fizzle, it's unplayable. (laughs) Even more so, because it's a sorcery. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's talk about one last deck here. This is one from David. He actually played this deck weeks ago, long before we knew this card was going to win. He was just tinkering with, like, what can you do with Invoke Calamity in Pioneer as, like, a big explosive ramp piece? Now, what does he mean by that? Well, Unexpected Windfall, very good, right? We've seen that in Standard. You can rebuy that, plus a two-drop to set up a very nice turn. You can also cast Iron Crag Feet. This is the one red, red, red sorcery. Adds seven red mana, and then you can only cast one more spell this turn. We see this in decks like Charbelcher, right? This is 
the second to last spell they cast before you die. Does Iron Crag feat work with Invoke Calamity? Well, kind of, right? You just have to make sure that... As long as it's the second... Yeah, it, it does. You can even cast a head... You can even go ahead and cast something else, right? Yeah, yeah, because Iron Crag feat has not resolved yet. So you, you're casting two spells from Invoke Calamity, but Iron Crag feat is not going to check how many spells until you, you've actually resolved the feat. And you get a two drop as well, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So the combo that has caught David's eye here is these impressive four mana ramp spells, Unexpected Windfall and Iron Crag Feet, with the card Expansion Explosion, which we already talked about. Expansion can copy either a Feet or an Unexpected Windfall to give you just an insane amount of mana, right? Expansion copying Iron Crag Feet means you will add 14 red to your mana pool, and then you can only cast one more spell this turn, but hopefully you can win the game with that 14 mana. Is that actually possible? Well, it turns out that the best way to turn 14 mana into a win, question mark, is crackle with power? Crackle with power. Which is 15 damage to three things? Yeah, it's awkward, right? This card is from Strixhaven. It's not enough. It's not lethal. It's a triple X spell, so it's not even going to work with Invoke Calamity. It's only there to just be your big mana payoff. Like, I can see the dream. My problem is... This deck has zero ways of actually putting those last five points of damage, right? Well, e- explosion does it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, you could also explosion for 11, which I think it's even better, right? Drawing 11 cards has to be better than dingling for more damage. Mm, yeah, okay. Oh, no, no, you can't, you can't explosion, you need double red as well. You, you need double blue. Okay, so you need an unexpected windfall plus... Yeah, it was tricky, it's just gets tricky. But alright, so you have four Unexpected Windfall, four Iron Crag Feet, four Invoke Calamity, four Expansion Explosion, three Crackle with Power, two Ugin the Spirit Dragon, just as additional ramp payoffs. And then the rest of the deck, I mean, everything I've named is four mana and above, so the rest of the deck has to be cheap, right? Expressive Iteration, Is It Charm, Consider Fiery Impulse, Sensor, Anger of the Gods, Cathartic Pyre. Crackle with Power, technically a two mana spell. Very true. Yeah, so David tested this and he said it felt like mediocre, both in the construction and just the payoff felt wrong. He felt like this combo was not clean enough. Um, like It wasn't guaranteed to win. But it was an interesting way of thinking about, you know, is Invoke Calamity possibly part of a ramp chain? It opens a lot of possibilities. Can we win in Modern with 14 mana? Mm, you, can, you can cast most of an Emrakul, but does that, <laughs> does that help you? Not the response I was looking I mean, Invoke Calamity for Profane Tutor and Through the Breach, Resolve the Tutor, get Emrakul. That just seems easier. That seems a lot easier than whatever we're doing with Iron Crag Feet. <laughs> I mean, that's actually tempting. I didn't think about that. Well, yeah, we've got like a bunch of half-formed ideas scattered across the table, right? Where, where do we stand right now? Personally, I think the biggest thing that actually makes me want to test this card is that it's an instant that works amazing with sorceries, mm-hmm. which is an interesting part of magic that I really like exploring. And secondly, it's the fact that I have been really enjoying Collected Conjuring and this gives me an excuse to keep playing it and not feel like an idiot. I'm going to keep playing this deck list. I'm going to keep tuning this card and I'm going to keep updating everyone on how it goes because it's fun, which is extremely important, which is the fear we had with cutting Night Wonder. <laughs> I don't care if this card isn't as powerful as it could be. This card is fun. Resolving Evoke Calamity, it's fun. And you can see that it that hasn't seen the YouTube video yet. I was just laughing out loud whenever I got to make two rhinos on my opponent's sense the plus play a pillage. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's just morally devastating to go on your opponent's sense step, destroy a land, plus make two four four rhinos. <laughs> it's what you want to be doing in Magic. Alright, so definitely check out that video. That's the Faithless Brewing, newly launched Faithless Brewing YouTube channel. We'll have a link to it as well on our website and in the episode description here. Again, our plan for Invoke Calamity. This is our new monthly project. We're going to be checking in on this a little bit. It's not going to be our featured card, right? We're going to be back to our regularly scheduled New Capenna cards starting next week, but we'll check in figure out what people are testing in the Discord, let you know how what we've been working on. And at the end of the month, we'll have our friends from the Serum Visions podcast, Brian Madden and Arun Singh, will come back and share their findings as well, bring it all together. Exactly. You will hear, from episode for episode, you will hear a rambling of more going, guys, play Collected mm-hmm. Conjuring. All of a sudden, 
just listening to the last updates until we meet again with the Serum Vision Scan and we can finally settle what's the perfect build or different builds for Invoke Calamity. So if you have some ideas for this card, we would love to hear them. You can get at us. We are on Twitter at FaithlessMTG. Or if you would like to get out of the action, come brew with us. You can join our Patreon Discord. We would love to have you there. And with that being said... Yeah, that's going to do it for us for today. Yeah, that's going to do it for us. Bye-bye, everybody. Hope you have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. Bye. I was waiting for your goodbye to say my <laughs> bye-bye. I always go, say my ending, you say goodbye, and I say bye-bye. Why do you gotta break this cycle? Bye-bye. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, stay tuned for future updates on Invoke Alamity, as we keep iterating with it. Trying to find the perfect build for the card, not only in modern, but also in pioneer or in standard. Also, in next week's episode, we start making our way into the streets of New Capena, where we start analyzing which cards had the most impact in both Pioneer and Modern. Were our past predictions accurate, or were we totally out of place? Tune in to find out on next week's episode of Faceless Brewing. So, bye bye and stay safe.